Welcome back, fight fans, to episode number 279 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine, the Ring Digital YouTube channel, and ringtv.com. New issue is out now, dedicated to the great Julio Cesar Chavez. No, I'm not talking about junior. I'm talking about senior. Check out that cover. That cover is freaking dope. So uh, make sure you guys check that out. Uh, dedicated to the great Julio Cesar Chavez that is out in stores now. This is TNC 279 for the week of August 28th. As always, I remind you guys, make sure, make sure you're subscribed to the Ring Digital YouTube and that you click the notification bell so you never miss a live version of the show. Make sure that you're subscribed to my platforms. I am everywhere at Montero Unboxing, all the social media, Twitter, YouTube, of course, make sure you subscribe to my channel, but Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff at Montero Unboxing. And you can listen to the audio version of the show on podcast platforms all around the world. Just search Montero Unboxing, the neutral corner, and boom, you will find me. All right, guys. So um, only one major card of note last week, right? But it was pretty historic, pretty monumental because of what took place. So I'll be chopping that up from different angles. And then there's a fight card this weekend. It's on a Sunday, and it's uh, – I don't know what to say about it, uh, you know, but there's a couple of good fights on the undercard. It's a typical 2021 boxing uh, show that we get this Sunday on Showtime pay-per-view. Yet another pay-per-view. I know those are your favorite, everybody. All right, so let's jump right into news and notes. And uh, some stuff just broke. Uh, earlier today so i'm, I'm going to break that stuff but i want to talk about what i originally had planned to talk about here my original notes canelo alvarez versus caleb plant is on for november 6th in las vegas this will be a pay-per-view um, with a co-promotion if you will between pbc and canelo and they're going to do a pay-per-view i imagine it's going to be on fox but that really hasn't been announced yet so we'll find out how this pay-per-view is going to be all chopped up and everything but this is going to be in Las Vegas, November 6th for the undisputed super middleweight championship of the world. We got plenty of time to talk about that fight. We'll be talking about it in subsequent weeks and months, obviously. Uh, I just wanted to get that out there. I talked about this Friday on my channel. Remember, I do a, a video Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern on my channel, Montero Unboxing. So I talked about this a little bit Friday, but wanted to get it on the record here at TNC. So Look, I want to say I want to put this on the record because there was a lot of speculation back and forth about whose fault it was for the September 18th date falling through and all that. Look, man, props to Canelo Alvarez, Eddie Reynoso, everybody on that side, Eddie Hearn, and then everybody on PBC side, Al Heyman, Caleb Plant, everybody there for getting this thing done. And I got to say, um, both sides have been extremely tight-lipped about the deal, right? Now, normally, stuff gets leaked, and people know what's coming. They know details. There's not a lot of information about this contract. Now, maybe we'll get some more in the weeks to come, but the way both sides are being very, very tight-lipped versus you go back about a month, and the Caleb Plant side in particular was pretty vocal through the media, and they were leaking things. So that makes me think that, who knows, maybe all that nonsense was just a way to push this thing into November. They didn't like the September date. Who the hell knows? But here we are. The fight's on. Good to go. Uh, Errol Spence 
eye issues. And um, the reason why I bring that up, of course, you guys already know about Arrow, but I want to bring it up. Um, I, I just thought I would note as it relates to your Dana Sugas, Manny Pacquiao, and Terrence Crawford, the whole welterweight world, the landscape of that division has been kind of flipped upside down this year, right? Actually, over the last year or so. But really, what happened this weekend on paper isn't what PBC wanted. Uh, obviously, when they signed Manny Pacquiao, he was supposed to pass that torch to their top young welterweight star, and that would be Errol Spence, obviously. And that didn't take place. So I was just thinking about this. You know, Errol Spence, since that Sean Porter win in September of 2019, and I was ringside for both his fights in 2019 against Garcia, Mikey Garcia, and then uh, Sean Porter. But since that fight, man, he's only fought once against Danny Garcia, right? And likely will not be back until next spring at the earliest. So you got to think, man. It's, he's going to go one fight in a two-and-a-half-year span in the middle of the prime of his career, coming off those two wins, those brand-building wins over Mikey Garcia and Sean Porter. You know, he was supposed to go from there and you know be elevated to PBC's next star. Car accident, the COVID outbreak, you know, the lockdowns, which obviously that's not Errol Spence's fault, um, but he was a victim of it, just like the entire you know boxing industry. Um and then, you know, this eye injury, which we, do, we don't really know if it might be related to the car accident because you guys have seen the photos. His eyes look busted up when he got in that car accident. Um, a car crash. Some of you didn't like me using the word accident. Car crash. Okay, whatever. Um, but all those three, those three things have kept him out of the ring. And look, we are two years removed, basically, from that win over Sean Porter. And again, he ain't going to be back for at least a half a year. So one fight over a two-and-a-half-year span, and look, he might not be back until late next year. It's possible he might only be in, the, be in the ring once over three years during his prime. So I think that's a, a newsworthy note on top of what took place this weekend, which I'll talk about, obviously, in this episode. But also, here's another tidbit, okay? Uh, Terrence Crawford, by the end of this year, his contract with Top Rank is up. Whether he fights one more time or, or not, in the fourth quarter, his contract with top, top Rank will be finished. So the question is, does Terrence Crawford re-sign with Top Rank, which I'm starting to think is pretty unlikely? Who does he sign with? Anybody is possible. But if he was to sign with PBC, and I do think that PBC now recognizing the, the, the volatility of the Errol Spence situation and they kind of need Terrence Crawford, right? So perhaps they'll throw the, the the bank at him and open up the checkbook and and try to get him. But if they sign Terrence Crawford, I don't. I still don't know if the Crawford Spence fight happens because we don't know what's going to happen with Spence and that eye injury. It could end up being, you know, Spence or I'm sorry, Crawford versus Sean Porter late later this year, which I hope happens. More about that in a second. Um, or, or somebody else is like a, a, a welcome to PBC kind of fight. And then, then it goes into a fight with Jordanus Ugas, right? And, and the winner of that fight, I'm sorry, at that point, they're the number one welterweight in the world. And then perhaps Errol Spence gets the winner of that fight later on. But we just don't know. We just don't know. 
So Spence lost out on that Manny Pacquiao fight, which is what his management was molding for him, right? That's what they were trying to mold and, and, and set up for him. He missed out on it because of this injury. We, do, we don't know. Maybe it's tied to the car wreck or not. Um, but it's man, it could even be possible he might lose out on the Terrence Crawford fight. So I mentioned this on Twitter earlier today. I, I, one guy was hilarious. Uh, didn't like that tweet and got really offended. I clicked on his Twitter profile and boom, there's a pinned tweet where he's calling Errol Spence's idol. This guy didn't realize I wasn't dissing Errol Spence. I was kind of feeling bad for the dude because he just might be unlucky and lose out on that one, but two career defining fights, depending on how all this plays out. And I just thought uh, that was worth mentioning. All right. So Crawford Porter, there is a purse bid, right? It's supposed to take place last week. Who the fuck knows what happened there? But it's going to happen apparently now, <laughs> September 2nd, which I think is what, a Wednesday, a Thursday, uh, next week. And it's going to take place in San Juan, Puerto Rico. For those of you interested in this sorts of sort of thing, for the, the purse bid bros out there, uh, it's going to be streamed live on the WBO's Facebook channel. So who, who, who knows? I didn't even know the WBO had a, a Facebook page. But go to their Facebook page. Follow them there. They will uh, air this live on September 2nd. The winner of the purse bid uh, gets to promote the fight. So it's open to anyone. I think like the opening bid is like $200,000 and then anybody can bid. So it could get very interesting. And I actually tweeted about this today. Over the next two weeks, the most interesting thing on the boxing schedule is this fucking purse bid. It's more interesting there's more interesting possibilities and drama involved in this fucking purse bid than any fight on the schedule over the next two weeks. That's kind of sad. And that's just where we're at in boxing in 2021. Boy, I hope it goes up from here. I hope 2022, 2023, things shoot upward because it's been a downward trend. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm not saying we haven't had great fights, but man, the last couple of years has been rough, guys. So um, anyway. Crawford's going to get 60%. Porter's going to get 40% for those of you into that sort of thing. All right. What else? What else? What else? Um, Tiafima Lopez versus George Cambosis. That fight will happen, apparently, on Tuesday, October 5th. You heard me right. Tuesday. Tuesday, October 5th, at the Hulu Theater inside Madison Square Garden for a $20 pay-per-view on Triller. So... Let's walk this back once again, Tuesday, which you know what? All things considered, I kind of like it. This isn't a huge fight. There's a lot going on in sports that weekend. There's a different things scheduled. Why not do it on a freaking Tuesday? If you're bored as hell Tuesday night, you want some entertainment. Monday, Monday night football is Monday night, right? And then you got college football Saturday morning. In between that is these things called weekdays. And on a Tuesday night, some of you guys might say, eh, fuck it, 20 bucks. Hell, if you live in LA or New York, that's pretty much the price of a shot at a bar. 20 bucks, you can you could buy uh, this pay-per-view on Triller and you can watch Tiafima Lopez and George Cambosis, which I do think is a more competitive fight than people uh, are, are imagining, especially with uh, Tio coming off of COVID. So that's that. Now, as far as the takeover by Tiafima Lopez, uh, yeah, I, I'm not so sure I'm ready to jump on that bandwagon. Look, I was all on board 12 months ago when Tiafima Lopez shocked the boxing world, 
and beat Vasily Lomachenko, became the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. Did this as a very, very young guy with not many professional fights, while other guys have dozens more fights and are sitting there fighting guys that it, it, it doesn't matter. Some of them even on pay per view. Tio stepped up and on regular ESPN beat Lomachenko. I was like, okay, we got a star right here. This, this is going somewhere. And here we are a year later and nothing has happened. So a lot of you out there, the purse bid bros, were really excited for Tio when Triller grossly overbid on this fight. What, what was it? Seven, eight million? I can't remember the number by now. It's been such a long time. But uh, you were really excited. You're like, oh, this is part of the takeover. He's playing checkers or he's playing chess. Everyone else is playing checkers, right? Well, Tiafim Lopez is back with Bob Arum and top rank. They're copacetic again. They've made up. They've kissed and made up. And this card is going to lose serious fucking money because charging $20 for a pay-per-view and putting this on at the theater in New York where who knows what's going to be going on with COVID restrictions with the fucking moron running that city and that state right now. They got two, they got double fucked morons in New York right now running things. So who knows what's going to be going on if fans are even going to be allowed to this fucking thing by October 5th. But even if they are, it's the theater and you're charging 20 bucks for a pay-per-view. I like that. You know, I'm not complaining 20 bucks for a pay-per-view. That's more like it. Let's get the applause for that. However, with what they put down for this fight, dude, yeah, they got to get a big co-feature together or they're going to lose their ass. All right. Um, one last thing I wanted to note about, and we will go into this uh, you know, much, much deeper on my Friday show, okay? Manny Pacquiao, Pac-Man, the uh, senator from the Philippines, probably the future president of the Philippines. Um, look, if he hangs up the gloves... He will leave a massive void in this sport. And I think some of you younger guys who weren't around for Manny's climb to, to prominence, and, and he was briefly the pound-for-pound pound number one fighter in the world when Floyd was kind of semi-retired for a minute there and then decided to come back. Um, it was between Floyd and Manny, right? Uh, if Floyd is, is, was the better fighter at his very, very best, the better fighter than Manny probably, um, at least defensively, technically, and all those things, of course. And maybe the bigger star here in the United States, obviously, but globally, Manny Pacquiao was the most iconic fighter of that generation, right? That generation was the Floyd and Manny generation, the Floyd and Manny era. There are several other stars in that generation, Vladimir Klitschko, I think a lot of you guys in America, particularly a lot of American sports fans forget there's this place outside of America called earth. And there are hundreds of countries on this place called earth. And there are billions of people in those hundreds of countries called earth. So the, they matter too. the sports they watch and the, the athletes that, that they uh, cheer for, they matter too. And, and outside of America, Vladimir Klitschko, when he fought Germany, shut down. Half, half the country watched. Pretty much the same as with Manny in the Philippines, right? Uh, and the Klitschkos were very popular in, in parts of Eastern Europe and in, in Europe, Central and Eastern Europe. Um, so there were, a, you know, Vlad was a big, big star. But of course, the biggest stars were Floyd and Manny. They were the two crossover mainstream boxing stars that were up there. Their names were up there with other top athletes of that era, Tiger Woods, LeBron James, Tom Brady, 
those sorts of names. When you throw in Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather, Joe Sixpack walking down the street, he knows who those guys are. Whether he watches boxing or not, he knows who those guys were, right? And globally, more people knew of Manny Pacquiao and actually watched his fights than Floyd Mayweather. And I'm not just pulling that out of my ass. I'm, I'm actually talking about numbers I've seen of, of global viewership and, and viewership of fights in other countries, other parts of the world. I think some of you guys don't realize, again, some of you guys in America particularly stay stuck in this bubble here and forget there are countries overseas that have over a billion with a B citizens, okay? Um, two of them have <clears throat> one and a half billion citizens. So if you do 1% viewership in some of these countries over in, in that part of the world, uh, you, I mean, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people are watching your fights. So Manny Pacquiao globally uh, was such an iconic figure. And at his height was uh, the, when you, when you consider where he started, Okay, because he wasn't this amateur prospect phenom that Floyd was. Floyd was bred to be a boxing star in America. Manny came out of nowhere, right? He just hit the scene. It was like, boom, he beat Ladwaba, and all of a sudden, boom, he just took off. I think a lot of you guys don't realize how important it is for the boxing industry to have stars like that. And I understand that Floyd is still sticking around. And he's fighting these YouTubers and stuff. But Floyd really hasn't fought a real boxing match that mattered since 2015, right? Manny has. Manny stuck around six more years and has fought real dudes, right? So I'm not trying to disrespect Floyd when I say that Manny was the biggest name globally of all active fighters. The truth is he, he was because personally, I think, Manny is a bigger name than Floyd globally. And again, there's data to back that up. I'm not talking about money, guys. I'm talking about eyes, people that know who these people are. Manny's a bigger figure. Uh, but specifically over the last five, six years, you know, Floyd's been doing these one-offs. These, he's been fighting YouTubers, UFC guys. Manny's actually been fighting real dudes. And he, he fought a real dude this weekend. And um, still, still him being a part of the scene, even if he only fought once every year, once every two years, it kind of injected a little life into the industry, particularly on a global basis, uh, a global platform, I should say. But um, now with him leaving, if he hangs him up and maybe he does one farewell fight, maybe not, but clearly it's over, right? Man, that void is going to be felt in fact, Manny not fighting since he he beat Thurman a couple years ago, what, two and a half years ago? People felt that void, right? And I get it. There was a pandemic in the middle of that that took a year off for a lot of fighters. Subtract that. Take that out. Just Manny not being a part of the equation, that void was felt. When he leaves, dude, yeah, we still got Canelo, right? Canelo is nowhere near the global crossover superstar that Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao were. Um, Anthony Joshua. He's more of what Anthony Joshua is in the UK. That's what Vladimir Klitschko was in Germany. All right. And honestly, Canelo Alvarez, what he is in Mexico, that's kind of what Vlad was in Germany and, and uh, AJ is in the UK. Uh, that's where, you know, the home base. But Canelo kind of runs boxing in North America, right? 
Um, AJ is is big in the UK and parts of Europe, but he isn't a global global crossover superstar. And the thing is, you know, Canelo's got three, four years left, maybe five years left. Who's going to be the next guy? Who's the next American? Even if they're not American, forget that. Who's the next crossover boxing superstar? Don't tell me it's Javante Take Davis because he's building a niche audience right now. He's not building a crossover audience. Don't tell me it's Ryan Garcia because he has so many followers on TikTok. That shit hasn't translated to ratings uh, and and ticket sales for his fights. And he hasn't fought anybody yet that's going to get him to that next level. Don't tell me it's Devin Haney. And don't tell me it's Tiafima Lopez if he's fighting on a Tuesday night in a theater for the first defense of his undisputed lightweight championship for a $20 pay-per-view. Guys, this, this impact that Pacquiao made, it was a generational type of impact. And I'm telling you right now, we're going to feel that void when he steps when he steps out and he walks into the sunset, man. Um, all right. We got a super chat pledge from Torin, Torin Falk. Thank you so much, brother. He says, any word on the IBF and WBC stripping arrow? He was holding up welterweight division progress. That's a good question, man. Um, per their rules, there's nothing that would um, force them to strip arrow at this point. He has a legitimate injury. We don't know how long he's going to be out of the ring, but it is possible that at some point he becomes the WBC champion. What do they call a champion in recess? I think that's what the WBC does. And they promote somebody else up. Same thing with the IBF. You know, it could be a similar kind of situation. We're not there yet, but hey, man, if it's next April, next May, and Arrow still isn't back and there isn't even a fight announced, yeah. That, that could take place. That could happen. So uh, we're not there yet. It's going to take a minute to get to that point because he has a legitimate injury. He's not just being inactive. And he did have a fight scheduled. You know what I'm saying? So, so at this point, no, there's no danger of anything like that happening. But, yeah, we could see a situation where an interim champion gets bumped up and, you know, Errol has to fight them when he comes back. Something like that. It's very, very possible. There's a lot of different... Um, avenues that you know a lot of different ways this can go man so we shall see trey trey anders on the chat he says 20 bucks for a pay-per-view is great for the consumer i agree man i agree um i I like the price and i like that it's on a tuesday night i think that's kind of fun i just think i still think triller man they overpaid for that fight uh taurine says uh, favorite pacquiao fight was against jorge alicia julio every time manny landed a shot the whole crowd was doing the Ric Flair woo. Man, I, that, you know, it would be really hard for me to pick a favorite Manny Pacquiao fight. We're going to have to talk about that. Um, we have to talk about that Friday on my show because I, I really don't know. Mendeli says, uh, wow, the takeover has kind of fizzled out. $20 pay-per-view. Yeah. And look, I like the $20 pay-per-view. I like the $20 pay-per-view, but yeah man that takeover uh, i don't know about that <laughs> isan says uh koto yeah look that, that might be the one manny versus koto i was in vegas for manny's second uh no third fight with uh barquez that was pretty special i mean i was around for a couple of them soapboxing podcast do you meet after canelo mike 
Yeah, I'm talking about there's no stars after Canelo. Right now, Canelo's carrying the sport, right? At least in North America, he's the face of boxing. And again, Canelo is not the, st- the level of star that Floyd and Manny were. He's not. Uh, but he's the closest thing to that right now. I would actually compare Canelo more to Floyd than to Manny. If you look at the way Canelo is managing his career, if you look at, you know, it's about dollars, uh, the way he announces fights, the way he does contracts, and the, the way he works through media and stuff, Canelo is actually a lot more like the new Floyd Mayweather. And I don't necessarily know that that's a good thing. I don't know who the next Manny Pacquiao is. And you've got to have that Manny Pacquiao figure in the sport. It's not Canelo. Canelo's not that guy. It's just not his personality, and it's not the way him and his team go about business. Now, they fight in very controlled situations and everything, just like Floyd did. Remember, Canelo fought Floyd. He learned a lot from that experience. So um, I I just – who's the next Manny Pacquiao? I mean, there's never going to be another – don't get me wrong. There's never going to be another Manny Pacquiao, right? I'm saying who's going to take that spot. They're going to be a poor man's version of that, but who's going to take that spot? Who's going to be that globally – universally recognized and beloved type of fighter that fights everybody that takes challenges. Look, man, Manny Pacquiao just fought a guy on 11 days notice that most of the division is avoiding. And he's fucking 42 and a half, actually 42 and three quarters. And he's coming off a two and a half year layoff. The last guy who had that kind of ballsy fucking decision-making uh, was Vladimir Klitschko when he fought Anthony Joshua. Vlad didn't need that damn fight. No more than Manny didn't need this damn fight, particularly a late replacement like this. And he did it, and he didn't need to. Uh, he could have chose to fight somebody, Jamal James or something, in the PBC universe. He didn't have to fight your Dennis Ugas, but he did it. Um, I just, I don't know who's going to take, who's going to be the guy that kind of takes that throne. It's not going to be Errol Spence. It's not going to be Terrence Crawford. Look, man, if we get Ugas and Crawford fight each other, and then the winner of that fight fights Errol Spence, all right, I'm probably I'm daydreaming here. This is never going to fucking happen. But if it did over the next 12 months or so, the winner of those fights, the way it all plays out, which I believe would be Terrence Crawford, he still ain't going to be nowhere near the level of star of a Canelo Alvarez, let alone a Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao. So that's the part that worries me a little bit, guys, is who's going to be the next big star? Uh, I just, I don't know. All right. I'm going to briefly talk about this uh, real quick. Well, you know what? Let me jump to these calls. We'll jump to a few calls. We'll keep them short. Then I will do the review preview. All right, guys. I know normally I should like to get it all out, then go to the phones, but we'll go to the phones for a minute. We'll keep it nice and brief. And then we'll get back to the review preview. All right. All right. This guy's been on hold for about 20 minutes here. 513, you're on the show. What's up? Hi, Mike. It's Andrew. Uh, you were uh, talking about who you think is going to be the next type of Manny Pacquiao type star. If I'm a betting man, I think I see it and it's kind of in front of us. Now, he's not going to be Manny Pacquiao. I mean, you know, accomplishing that much in the sport should be impossible, but Manny did it. Uh, it's it's got to be Virgil Ortiz. Mm. He seems to have that that attitude. <laughs> okay. If, if I had to guess, I'm just curious on your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think of of everybody that 
is out there, he probably does fit that profile the most. Um, he seems to be hungry and want to go after the top guys. He's willing to fight Terrence Crawford and he's exciting. Yeah, I'm with you. He's maybe got a good chance. Again, he's not going to be Manny Pacquiao, but maybe he's got the chance of kind of being, you know, filling that role. Yeah, it, well, you know, I mean, I saw that fight in, uh, I think it was at the Dallas Cowboys practice facility. It looks like they sold a lot of tickets for it. He's starting to really gain traction now. Yeah, I, I agree. Mean, and his next yeah. fight will probably be in L.A., I know uh, Golden Boy wants to bring him there. I think he'll be a hit in L.A. So then if he has L.A., you know, California, and Texas, uh, that those markets cornered, then then they'll go to New York. I, I think he's got a real chance. And he's also not an egomaniac. Like, you know, I, I'm not trying to knock on Canelo or Floyd. I mean, no, I great fighters and all that, but they have there's a lot of e – they got big egos. <laughs> I, no one would be offended <laughs> by that comment. That. That's just the truth, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the, the only other thing I wanted to talk about, because I was talking to my dad about some the boxing, and you know, one of the Olympic boxers is from is from my hometown of Cincinnati, so there's a little bit of buzz because he come home with a silver medal, and, you know, people are kind of excited about it. So I was talking to my dad about it, because he, he's from Cleveland, so he was talking about the guy from Cleveland. I was talking about Duke Reagan from Cincinnati, and... He, he mentioned to me, and I think this is something that just needs to happen. The pay-per-view model doesn't work anymore. Because this is something that my dad told me. is like, we should watch him, even if he's on pay-per-view, as an amateur coming out of the Olympics. There is a perception amongst more casual observers of the sport that all the, all the fight, a lot, a lot larger portion of the fights are on pay-per-view than are not. If pay-per-view just goes away, that's not a concern anymore. I'll hop off the phone here. I'll let you give your thoughts and uh, get on uh, get the other callers. Thank Good you stuff. Good stuff, Andrew. <laughs> Good stuff, brother. And I agree with him that um, pay-per-view, the pay-per-view model, guys, it's just busted. Now, look, maybe the $20 Tuesday night pay-per-view model could work. If, if every now and then you shelled out 20 bucks on a Tuesday night, a Thursday night, a Saturday night, for a one-off, it was almost like an a la carte kind of menu. Forget these shit undercards. Forget all this. Uh, just get right to it and pay for a main event, and it's 20 bucks. I think a lot of people would be inclined to do that. Uh, Mr. Franco says, uh, would you say Pacquiao is the most exciting pay-per-view fighter of all time? I, I, I got to go, you know, maybe for a little guy, yeah, but I got to go uh, Mike Tyson. I mean, Mike Tyson for a, a multitude of reasons, but he was around during the, the invention of pay-per-view. He kind of created it and he was so insane and nutty. You just didn't know it was going to happen. Not only with the fight, but with, you know, biting ears, um, just the antics. I, I think it was before his fight with Lennox Lewis, where there were security guards, you know, uh, like creating a line in the ring. I think that was the Lewis fight. Uh, there was just insanity in the promotion and everything else. So uh, I'd probably go Tyson, but for a little guy, it probably is Manny. It really probably is. I mean, man, man, guys, we're going to talk more about this Friday, obviously. I know a lot of you guys might want to talk about it on the phone today, so we will. But the fights with Morales, with Barrera, uh, the fights with Marquez were outstanding. And there's there's all these other great fights. Steve Kim said it. 
on his podcast with Mario Lopez, uh, the three knockdown rule. I, I don't remember the exact quote, but he was basically saying, you know, Pacquiao's win over Keith Thurman was an outstanding win, but it's probably not even like in the top 10 of many Pacquiao wins. That's how many great wins the guy had. And if he beat Ugas, it'd be the same thing. Like, like if he, if he actually had beat Ugas this past Saturday, it wouldn't even be in the top 10 of his wins. So like, that's just crazy when you think about it, you know, um, sports talk with Troy says Naoya Inoue. Inoue has a chance. He has a chance, but you know, if, if he's going to do the Manny Pacquiao thing to a lesser extent, the Gennady Golovkin thing, where you come to America, you learn English, you, you know, endear yourself to the fans and all that. He's got to get started. Like we got to get started. He certainly has the style to do it though. Certainly has the style. All right, real quick, back to the phones. We'll keep it quick here, guys. 631, you're on the show. What's going on? Hey, Mike, what's going on? This is Keith Yazanseta. How are you? Keith, what's up, man? Uh, first, I want to say um, love the show. First time caller. I've been listening to the show for the last couple months. Really appreciate your uh, objectivity and everything. Thank That's you. I know you and I had a couple of messages on social media. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll keep it quick. Um, I contrary to what people people have been saying, I think the next big star is going to come kind of come out of nowhere, like Manny did. And the reason I say that is just because boxing has become so niche, it's going to be making more and more difficult for the current guys to kind of step out of Floyd's shadow, Canelo's shadow, even Manny's shadow. Um, AJ is a really big star, I think, on the other side of Pond from a global perspective. He's got a name brand here. He's got that sponsorship with with Under Armour, like Canelo as well. Um, but I think it's it's that star is going to come out kind of come out of nowhere, um, and they need to have the personality like a Floyd or the style like Manny Pacquiao. Mm. Um, and to, I'll keep the other thing is just in regards to the pay per view model. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong too. It, it is that I think it's overinflated here. Um, fans, mainstream people, do not know who the fighters are now half the time. Yep. And it's just expensive to play in bars and businesses as opposed to UFC. Like I, I always had the issue of, oh, you guys spend the fight site now. We're not as too expensive. Yep. Now, what, what's your feedback on that? It's absolutely correct, man. Um, I've talked about this before. The, the pricing for pay-per-views for commercial establishments, whether it's a bar, restaurant, even a casino, it's incredibly more expensive to buy a boxing pay-per-view than it is for a UFC pay-per-view. That's so stupid. And I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars sometimes. If you're one of those huge bars with like 120 TVs or whatever, it's incredibly expensive. And if they would do the pricing the way the UFC does, where it's much cheaper per TV, um, they could charge $5 or they wouldn't even have to charge. A lot of those UFC fights when they do pay-per-views at bars, they don't even charge a cover half the time. So, uh, but you know, with boxing, they, they screw that up. Now maybe the zone in the streaming apps can change that because if a bar was willing to get DAZN, they could put on a fight. Um, but how many bar owners even know DAZN exists? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. in cause they, they charge it by square foot. And, and I, I mean, I might be biased, but I, I think, I generally think I like Ahern. I like what he's doing for the sport and, I like, it seems as though he actually cares about his fighters. I mean, small things like when, for example, when AJ beat Ruiz in the second rematch, he was crying. Or when uh, Belu got knocked out by um, <clears throat> by Usyk, 
I don't know if you remember, but as as Bailey was going down, he literally sticks his hand out to grab his head to oh yeah, back up. yeah, just little things like that. I I could be wrong. I don't know, um, but yeah. And then in regards to Pacquiao, um, great fighter. I don't think we'll ever have anyone like that again. Um, and I'll be honest with you too. I was a little bit of a I was kind of biased towards Pacquiao. One of my best friends, who's actually very good friends with Joe Smith, um, is a huge Pacquiao fan and he's very obnoxious. <laughs> and um, I was kind of critical of Pacquiao's rise from lightweight to welterweight, even junior middleweight, just because of his all the catch weights and whatnot. But I will say this: the backside of his career, and even up to featherweight, he put it together a hell of a run. Um, just from the fighters he beat in the last five or six years. I mean, who would have yeah. thought that, right? Yeah, I mean, um, and my last point is. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I, didn't I was just going to say from the the knockout loss that Pacquiao had against Marquez, which I believe was in 2012. I might be wrong, but I think it was 2012, somewhere around there. His career after that, there are many, many fighters that would love just to have that career, you know, post Marquez. Uh, that's how good Manny's longevity was. Yeah, it's amazing. I and mean, the fact that he was able to carry that style, even up until two years ago, he's, he's got a, a, definitely a young man's style. Um, and he was able to keep that going up until 2019. Um, my last point is kind of off topic, but it's, it's in regards to next month. So obviously we knew there's been, there has been issues with Canelo potentially missing the Mexican independence weekend, which he did. I think this is a, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is the third weekend, the third year he's missing that weekend. Yes. Yep. If I'm uh, Oscar De La Hoya, uh, Bob Arum, any anyone who has a big name Mexican fighter, I, I'm probably throwing my Toronto hat on right now. But I'm throwing my fight. I'm throwing like a Valdez or Zerto or anyone Diaz on the, on that weekend. Um, just just as a showcase fight because it's going to build a brand. It's going to build their brand with everyone with casuals and build the brands with obviously diehard fans as well too because it's just it's just that's just a popular weekend as well that's that's a yeah, man, that's a good it. idea yeah yeah i absolutely agree with that absolutely yeah all right mike well i'll let you go and as i as i mentioned in my uh super chat a couple weeks ago i am i'm creating something that's going to try and uh, address the issues with the boxing issue so i'll keep you guys post i'll keep everyone posted and i have that uh that um that survey as well too Cool, man. Yeah, definitely keep us posted on that. We'll share it here on the show. Will do. All right, man. Thanks for all the good work, Mike. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks a lot, man. Have, Have a good one. one. You too. Bye-bye. All right, let's get to a couple more calls, guys. And then uh, all right, two more, two more. Then we'll get to the uh, to the fight review. 570, you're on the show. What's going on? Hey, hello, Mike. Uh, interesting tidbit about Triller and their uh... – Tuesday pay-per-view that used to be the standard in boxing. Remember Mike Tyson when he fought yeah. Michael Spinks was on a Monday night. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of pay-per-views on Mondays and, and Thursdays. Uh, Hearns yeah. Leonard two was on a Thursday, if I remember. So it's kind of bringing me back to my childhood. And uh, I think that's a good idea. Boxing could really start uh, gaining a new audience. Cause to you answering your question, who's the next big star? I don't think it's going to be, a person, I think it's going to be consumption wise. I think it's going to be as a whole. Hmm. If people are going to start fighting each other, the best fighting the best, you will see a star arise. But unless that happens, it'll have to be based off consumption and cards on weekdays and, uh, you know, just, you know, overwhelming the fan. That's the only way 
boxing is going to really hang on. So, um, yeah, I'd like to hear your, your comments on that, uh, before I get yeah, to my main point. I think, you, you know, it, well, okay. Let's just look at lightweight. All right, Thad, if, uh, Javante Davis, Tifima Lopez, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, and there's even a couple other names we could throw in there, but if those four guys all fought each other over the next 24 months, the guy who comes out on top mm-hmm. of that, and maybe even all of them would come out as stars, you know, um, look at yeah. Leonard and Hearns and Duran and, and, but they're not going to do it. You and I both know they're not going to do it. No, absolutely not. Tiafima Lopez would be the only guy that would be willing to do it. Those other three bozos, they, they, they don't have the balls to be quite honest. And their, their, their management, they're just in it for, you know, taking the easy road, the easy fight. It's, 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 it's a philosophy. It's a culture now. They're not, this isn't like 1980 where people were, you know, bred differently. I guess you could say like hardworking people, you know, an honest day's work equals an honest day's pay. You don't see that anymore. That's not instilled in people anymore. So it, it goes hand in hand with boxing. And unfortunately it's going to have to come down to, you know, consumption to take over. But, mm. um, I, I like to move on. Uh, I have, I have a bad taste in my mouth from this weekend. Now, a month ago, I said, look, it's not about Spence being so good. It's about Manny being 42 years old and, and not having his legs, and he won't be the same guy. I knew that going in. Look, I, I thought Yugos was going to win. What I didn't understand and I didn't, I didn't notice until the fight was happening, Yugos had a game plan already instilled. That, that was not an 11-day game plan. He knew about that fight much longer in order to instill that plan. Manny was lost fighting an orthodox fighter in that fight. Yeah, he had no legs. He was shot. I get all that. He lost. But I think we have to start looking deeper into what PBC did here. Number one, with there was no 30-day weigh-in. That set up red flags for me. Um, just like when Wilder and Povetkin were supposed to fight, there was literally no buzz. There was no press conferences. Wilder wasn't even in Russia. That fight never came off. I think the powers that be knew Spence was not going to fight Manny. In my opinion, I believe PBC substituted Ugas at the last minute when they knew beforehand that Spence had eye issues. Why is it two weeks before does Spence get a doctor's exam? Why wouldn't there be an exam two months before a fighter goes into a fight? Doesn't that make sense to you? Why would why would a fighter put all that time, all that money into training and then finally go for a physical two weeks before a fight to then find out that you're damaged goods. I don't buy it. I definitely don't buy it. And then lastly, Vada, you guys, I know was not tested for, for Vada. And by the looks of his physique. Yeah. I think there is more to it than just showing up on 11 days notice. So with dealing with, with PBC, I mean, it's it's like dealing with a snake oil salesman car used car dealer. You have con artists running that show with Sam Watson and uh, Al Heyman and everybody associated with that thing they got going over on a PBC. It's it's a disgrace to boxing. And Manny, I feel bad for the guy. I think he got railroaded. But you know, he's a class class act. He's not going to say anything. But they, I think he was set up. I really, truly do. But I will say this. I had a lot of money on Spence. 
So I have a lot of tickets I have to cash in to get my money back. But I think I was spared a big loss because if his eye was damaged like that and really PBC was on the up and up and they didn't know about it, Spence would have gotten, would have gotten stopped because of that, that eye issue. So a part of me is thankful. A part of me is thankful for it. I, I think a healthy Spence goes to the body and tears Manny up. Because Manny's 42 years old. That's how you beat an old man. But you guys had the right game plan, counter-punching, and he was more effective and fluid than Floyd was. But again, it's not the same Manny, but then again, Manny was handicapped in that fight as well, so to say. And I know people don't like to talk about it, but it is what it is. Um, you guys is, is underrated. Yeah. And um, the final thing I want to say before I get your, your take on it, I think you guys will be set up to fight Crawford. When Crawford comes over to uh, PBC, I don't think Porter's going to fight Crawford. I don't think Crawford's going to fight Porter. I don't think that fight's ever going to come off. That's just my take. Um, but I will say that Ugas is going to fight Crawford. I think that's the plan. In my estimation, I think Ugas is the better fighter. I think he's got a better style to handle Southpaws, as we saw with Manny. I think he would beat Crawford. But... With PBC, I can't be sure if they're going to have him play soft against Crawford if Crawford comes on and signs. But if if Crawford doesn't sign with PBC and he's kind of a free agent, I think you guys should beat Crawford because Crawford's very untested. So with that, I uh, I will leave you and uh, like to hear what you have to say. All right, Thad. Thanks, man. Have a good night, bro. Thank you. You too. Yeah, I actually, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, it really depends on what Crawford does. It depends on how this purse bid goes next week. That's why I say the most interesting thing in the schedule for the next couple of weeks is this WBO purse bid between Crawford and Porter. If that fight actually does come off, then um, depending on the timing, it would be Crawford's last fight with, uh, with top rank. But let's say PBC comes in and wins the purse bid. They can delay the damn fight. And then I think there's a, a date. I want to say it's in October. Don't quote me, guys. But I think it's in October where the contract with top rank runs out. And part of me thinks that's why Crawford hasn't fought this year. He's kind of just waiting out the contract. That's what I'm starting to think. Um, but if they delay that fight till so December or something, then it would be PBC. It'd be a PBC fight. So, so maybe someone's talking to Terrence right now and telling him, hey, man, we're going to bid on this purse bid. We're going to sign you to a multi-fight deal. We're going to put on the fight the very, very end of this year, maybe even the very beginning of 2022. There's a different possibility. There's different possibilities here, but I got to say, I actually think Ugas would do better against Spence than he would against Crawford style wise. I think Crawford can switch hit. I think Crawford has very long arms. Um, I think he could just do a little bit more in terms of craft than Spence could do. And Spence hasn't been the most active guy since the car wreck, uh, eye injury. So all things considered, I actually think Ugas would be a bigger problem for Spence right now than he would for Crawford. That's just the way I see it. But, um, you know, you guys may disagree with me on that. Carlos Cabrera with the super chat. Thank you so much, Carlos. He says, it's sad seeing an all-time great lose to someone he would have destroyed in his earlier years. Yes, that is true. However, I have to say, uh, Manny was very competitive 
this was a competitive fight. I, I had Manny's winning four rounds. You can make an argument for five rounds for Manny, but I, I scored at 116, 112 for Ugas. Um, but dude, come on. I mean, Bernard Hopkins, look how he went out against Joe Smith. Um, it's very, very rare to see a former champion, an all-time great, a guy on Manny's level, end his career. Look at how Oscar De La Hoya's career, it's funny, that dude's fighting in a couple weeks, but uh, you know his boxing, regular boxing career, look how it ended against Manny Pacquiao. He got his ass handed to him. It was sad to see, right? That's not how Manny's going out. If Manny actually goes out now, which he should, then and maybe he could do one farewell fight in the Philippines. I think that'd be a great idea. And he needs to fight somebody like not even in the top 20 if he does that. But um, bring a guy up from 135, 140. Who cares? Just fight somebody in the Philippines. I think it'd be huge. Uh, but Manny went out being really competitive with probably the third best welterweight in the world right now. That's pretty special, man. Uh, and again, I'm going to make a comparison to Vladimir Klitschko's fight against Anthony Joshua because, like Manny, Vlad was coming off a two, two-and-a-half-year layoff, and he was highly competitive with AJ, dropped him. I had him winning the fight at the time of the stoppage. It was close, but I had him, I think, six rounds to four because I think it was in the 11th round he got stopped. Don't quote me. I don't remember for sure. But he went late rounds with Joshua in a heavyweight fight, dropped him, was uber competitive, and then he just came up short. He got knocked out. He lost. Manny was competitive with Ugas, late replacement, um, and, and lost, you know, uh, wide on the cards, but it was competitive. For those guys to do as well as they did that late in their career, coming off layoffs like that against the second, third best fighter in the division, that's pretty damn special, and that's pretty damn rare. I, I really, really, truly believe that. So don't be too sad, Carlos. Don't be too sad. It could be a lot worse. We've certainly seen a lot worse. Okay, one more call, guys, and then we're going to do the review preview, okay? One more, I promise. 909, you were on the show. What's going on? 909. Hey, how's it going, Mike? What's up? Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Who are we talking to? My name is uh, Hector Camacho. How you doing? Hector Camacho. What's up, man? Yeah. Hey, man. Uh, uh, on the fly with Ugas and Pacquiao, man, I really do believe that. I agree with you. I mean, I, I believe Pacquiao was very competitive, even though it wasn't the fight he was preparing himself for. He was very competitive. I mean, if you, you can argue it was a draw, to be honest. I mean, I, I wouldn't consider, you know, I wouldn't consider that fight, you know, to be that bad because honestly, you know, he's 42 years old and he's Boxing these younger guys, Mayweather would have never done this, man. He would have yeah. never done this. So for Mayweather, uh, so for Pacquiao to box Uga, I mean, he was already he had already signed the contract to fight uh, Spence. Had it not been for that eye injury, he would have been fighting Spence. So there's nothing wrong with this guy. This guy's still competitive, and I bet you he'll he could still beat a lot of these top welterweights. I truly believe that. I truly, truly believe that. Um, and uh, what else is there to say about Pacquiao, man? He's, he's a legend, so I don't I don't feel bad at all. I think he, you know, he fought with uh, with all his uh, strength and gut, and uh, he he did pretty well, man. He he did pretty well. He really did. I and, agree. Uh, as far as as far as someone else, as far as uh, uh, you said, who might be the next superstar? 
I, you know, to be honest, I believe, I believe it would be it's between Virgil Ortiz or Ryan Garcia. Okay. If, if Ryan Garcia knew Spanish fluently, man, he would cross over, man. He would. But he doesn't have that touch with the Hispanic community because he doesn't know Spanish. To be honest, I'm Hispanic and I know what I'm talking about. Virgil Ortiz, he does speak a little more Spanish. He tries. And people appreciate that. You know, they, they can appreciate someone that's trying to learn the language. And if he would know Spanish a little more, he would cross over. Because he's mm. a nice guy. He's nice and humble. And he reminds me, even though Ryan Garcia looks a little more like Oscar De La Hoya, because he really does, Virgil Ortiz's personality and, and, and everything else, he's the one that would be able to uh, carry that, that torch, you know, as a superstar. Uh, or Ryan Garcia, if he, if he, if he learned Spanish a little more and fought, you know, better, better fights. Yeah. He, would, he would cross over for sure if he did that. That's a good point, man. I mean, look, I lived in Los Angeles for a decade around, you know, the Mexican-American fight fans. And I know uh, the Mexican-American, and especially the Mexican media, they appreciate it when a Mexican-American fighter makes an effort to speak Spanish and talk to the Mexican media down there. And they also appreciate a very humble fighter. And I think that's Virgil Ortiz. He's a humble fighter, humble kid, and um, just has the right attitude. So... Ryan Garcia, I don't know, man. Just because I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where he is mentally. I don't know where his mentality is, and I don't know where he's going to be three, four years down the road. We know Virgil Ortiz is still going to be fighting, doing his thing, win, lose, or draw. Right? We know that. I don't know about Ryan Garcia, man. I really I, don't. That's true. Oh, that's true. And not only that, but he's the more proven fighter. Yeah, he's been tested already fighting this other uh, Russian guy. Uh, you know, so he's 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 a proven fighter, and uh, I think I think this guy, you know, I think I think I think like I said, Virgil Ortiz, yeah, man, he's he's the good, and um, you know, I I believe that he could be the one. He could be the one. I I agree with the other caller that called earlier. He said Virgil Ortiz, and I I agree to a certain extent. He he just needs to be a little more outspoken, you know, you know, and uh, but other than that, man, he's on the right, you know, he's on the right path to uh, to stardom. He really is, I believe. I believe he really is. Um, so, yeah, man, and thanks for uh, uh, taking my call, Mike. All right, thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate it, man. You too. Have, have a good one, one, Hector. All right, bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, so it, it seems like Virgil Ortiz, I mean, a few of you guys have mentioned him, even here in the chat. I'm looking here on the chat on YouTube, and a few of you guys have mentioned him. Um, that, that's, I think that's a pretty good guess for who could, who could be the guy. Um, and again, he'll never be Manny Pacquiao. He'll never be that popular, but he does seem to have that fighter's mentality, that humbleness to kind of take that role, right? The guy that takes the Floyd role, which I think is more so Canelo Alvarez. He's kind of taken that role where it's about business. It's about making money. Uh, it's a, I'm just going to throw it out there. It's about kind of being a diva. You right, and it's about like, oh, well, I'm the A side. I'm dictating terms. You get injured, you're still paying me my forty million, right? You know that kind of a thing. That's right out of Floyd's playbook. Um, so you got there's that role, and I think there's several fighters who could end up like Gervonta Davis is trying to take that role already, right? Uh, so there's several guys that are lined up for that role, but that humble warrior that the fans really, really get behind and, and want to cheer for and stuff. 
Uh, Gennady Golovkin had a little bit of lightning in a bottle for a few years. It was kind of that guy. Um, it, it, that was during, you know, that was after Manny and Floyd had the dud of the century and people were kind of checked out on Manny and Floyd for a while and everything. Uh, that's where Gennady kind of rose up and kind of took over that role for a little bit. But maybe Virgil Ortiz will be the, the new guy. Um, there's one one question here in the chat I wanted to get to real quick. I'm on the flip. Oh, yeah, it was a super chat. Super chat from Feeling Dangerous 113. Thank you so much, man. He uh, he says, Matchroom wins the bid. DAZN budget has been freed up courtesy of Fox and the PBC, and they need a big fight for that fall schedule. You never know, man. Matchroom could come in there and bid for that. Uh, Porter and uh, I was just about to say Porter Ugas. Porter Crawford fight. Crawford Porter, I should say. And uh, they certainly have the budget now. They certainly have the budget so they can open up the checkbook. It's, I'm telling you, it's going to get interesting. That That is going to be an interesting purse bid. I might actually watch that. Oh, my God. Nacho says Guerrero versus Pac-Man in Manila. Oh, my God. Could you imagine that? That could actually happen. Oh, my God. That could actually happen. No, no, no. I, I think Pac-Man shouldn't even fight anybody on Guerrero's level. I think he needs to go a notch below that. It needs to be a total showcase fight over there in the Philippines. I wouldn't even fight a guy like Guerrero. Uh, Jordan says, Mike, what do you think about Manny fighting Josh Taylor at 140? Do you want to see Manny Pacquiao get starched, bro? Do you want to see him get knocked out? No, that's no good. No good. Manny, Manny has fought too many Josh Taylors. No, no good. Nacho says, I hate the damn term Hispanic. There's no such place, and no one comes from that place. Well, Nacho, I would just add this. Um, Hispanic comes from the word Hispaniola, right? And basically, it means from the old Spanish empire, right? You know this. So technically speaking, what it really means is that you come from a Spanish-speaking country. That's all it means. Uh, My last name is Spanish. I actually have a little bit of Spanish in me. Technically speaking, I am part Hispanic. Uh, that's that's the way this works. So, uh, but in America, it has a totally different context, right? And I'm I'm with you. I hate these fucking labels anyway. These labels are all stupid. All right, let's get to uh, fight review and preview because I have been delaying long enough. I want to talk about this fight. Well, let's talk about the undercard last weekend. Okay, real quick, guys. Uh, Robert Guerrero, unanimous decision win over Victor Ortiz in a welterweight fight. Um, This was basically, remember Back to the Future, parts one, two, and three? This was Back to the Future, part four. Who knew? It was a boxing movie. Michael J. Fox wasn't in it, but Robert Guerrero and Victor Ortiz were in it. Great, Scott. And Robert Guerrero wins. Also, uh, two featherweight fights. These two should have been fighting each other, but at least we got to see some cool knockouts. Uh, Carlos Castro beats Oscar Escandone, who has now lost five of his last seven, going back to 2015. Dropped him in the 10th before stopping him. Uh, Mark Magsayo, he scored a uh, knockout over Julio Ceja, who is now 0-3-1 in his last four. Magsayo is down himself in the fifth round. Dropped Ceja in the first and the 10th. Brutal, brutal knockout that was. So those were complete showcase fights. The combined record, of, of the opponents, Maxeo and Castro. Remember, these, these are two guys um, that are at featherweight, same weight, around the same age, same number of fights pretty much. 
combined opponents' records recently was, let's see, two, eight, and one going back several years. That's not good, man. That's not pay-per-view worthy, guys. No. All right. Main event, your Dennis Ugas, unanimous decision win over Manny Pacquiao. Scores were 115, 113, and 116, 112 twice. Those were great scores. Some people were bitching about the scores. And you're going to start seeing these videos that are going to go back and do slow motion and show the punch count and say, no, 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 CompuBox was way off. Manny Pacquiao landed 46% of his punches. He landed 10,000 punches in a fight. And Pacquiao won and he got robbed. Shut the fuck up. Ugas won the goddamn fight. Grow up, all right? Ugas won the fight, guys. It's okay. I thought those were good scores. Interesting statistic. I know you guys love CompuBox. Pacquiao landed 16% of his punches. The amazing part is that he threw over 800. That sort of volume from a dude that's 42 years old is amazing. The level of conditioning this guy is in, just as an athlete at that age, coming off that long of a layoff, really, really impressive. However, he didn't land them. 16% of the punches landed. Look, he landed 19% against Floyd Mayweather, according to CompuBox. All right, so that puts into perspective how inaccurate Manny was in this fight. And Ugas, yes, Manny had been preparing for a different, stider, different uh, style, different fighter, different stance. I get all that. Um, it was a last-second replacement, and the, the long right hand from Ugas gave Manny problems all night long. But it is what it is, man. Uh, Ugas lost two in a row in 2014, took 2015 off, and has been on a good damn run since 2016 to now. The only fight he has technically lost was to Sean Porter, which most people felt he won that fight. So he's been on a damn good run over the last five years after kind of taking a break, reevaluating things, getting with a new team. He deserves a lot of credit, man. People are making this about Manny being old and the last second replacement. And I get it. Those things all matter. I'm not saying Ugas set the world on fire. This was some amazing historical performance we're going to be talking about for decades. But Ugas did what he had to do, and he won the fight. And you guys got to think, too, this was a massive step up for him in the level of fight uh, that this was, the level of event, right? He's never fought on this kind of stage. And a lot of guys would get shaken by the moment. He didn't do that. So let's give Ugas some credit, man. He deserves it. Um, let's see. What else here? Manny Pacquiao. Does he have a farewell fight in the Philippines? I think he should. I think, I think it's a great idea. We're going to talk all about Manny Pacquiao, his legacy on the sport, uh, his impact, all of that Friday. Okay? Unless there's some huge breaking news between now and then, which I don't think there will be this week. It's going to be all about that Cleveland show, which is trash. Um, we're going to talk about Manny Friday. All right, guys. So get your questions and thoughts together about Manny. And let's um, let's talk. Let's chop it up Friday. All right. So that's the review. Not going to spend too long talking about that fight because we're really going to break things down Friday. But I thought Ugas did what he had to do, and he clearly won. So let's talk about preview for this weekend. Uh, Sunday, not Saturday, Sunday. August 29th at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Sounds historic. In Cleveland, Ohio, Showtime pay-per-view. So all together, top to bottom, this isn't a bad card. There's some interesting fights, uh, interesting fighters, 
more so than the interesting fights. But uh, there's guys that we want to take a look at. There's some young talent on this card. Uh, is it pay-per-view worthy? Absolutely not. I think it's a discounted price. It's like $60 instead of 80. That's still $40 too much. Okay. If this was a regular Showtime show, I'd be more interested in it. And I think it'd do better, but um, they're going the pay-per-view route. It's going to be very interesting to see how many pay-per-view buys Jake Paul can do on Showtime. Here's my question. Does he sell more pay-per-views than Tank Davis did earlier this year um, fighting Mario Barrios in Atlanta? That, that would be a hell of a statement. I, I wouldn't know whether to laugh or cry at that. I, I really, really wouldn't. Because the theme of the show, right? We've been talking about who's going to take over as the next star. Who's going to take over as the next American boxing star? Please don't tell me it's going to be Jake Paul. Please. But you know what? Jake Paul's numbers are better than just about every young American fighter's numbers. It's crazy. It's sad. But maybe, just maybe, the positive that can be taken from that is it will give boxing promoters an idea of how to turn popular uh, social media profiles like Ryan Garcia, right? And how to turn it into pay-per-view numbers if they can look at what the Paul brothers are doing. We shall see. Um, okay. Tommy TNT Fury going up against Anthony Taylor in a six-round uh, catchweight fight. There's 180 pounds. Uh, Fury is 22 years old, 6-0, and comes from the Fury fighting family. Daniel Dubois, his second fight since the loss to Joe Joyce, going up against Giuseppe Angelo Cusimano uh, from Virginia. It's an American fighter, an Italian-American fighter. Ten rounds, heavyweights. Always interested to see Danny Dubois. And I think Kuzumano is going to give him a good push. Kuzumano has got some experience. Big, strong guy Kuzumano is. So it's going to be two big boys in there. That's going to be a fun fight to watch. I'm probably most interested in that damn fight. Montana Love, 15-0-1 out of Cleveland, going up against Ivan Baranchek. This could be interesting. This is an eight-round welterweight fight. Uh, Love out of Ohio, out of Cleveland. Right, So he's another Ohio guy, so he's going to bring a crowd. He fought earlier this year in Atlanta at Buckhead Fight Club. Uh, I was ringside for that fight, and he brought a crowd down there from Cleveland. So this guy already has some fans that travel with him. He will have fans in the house at this fight. Um, he's taking a step up in opposition, though. He hasn't fought anybody. So this is a step up for him. It's going to be interesting to see how he responds for Baranchek. This is his first fight since coming off that loss to Zepeda last October, that brutal knockout loss. That was a brutal fight. That's the kind of fight that could change your career. And maybe you're never the same guy. So is Baranchek fully recovered or did he leave a part of himself in the ring with Zepeda last year? We will find out in this fight, man. But um, there's going to be definitely some, some crowd love for Montana love. Uh, like I said, I got to see him fight earlier this year in Atlanta. He's got some skills, some, uh, you know, definitely someone to check out. Charles Conwell, 15 and 0, 23 years old, going up against Juan Carlos Rubio, who is 18 and 0 out of Mexico. I don't know about this Rubio's record down in Mexico. It's, it's hard to say. Some of these guys come up from Mexico and their, their, um, their record is rubbish, right? 
Some of these guys come from Mexico and the record undersells how damn good they are, how damn great they are. So we'll see. But something tells me that um, this is going to be a one-sided kind of a fight for Conwell. One you guys was asking about is Montana Love is from uh, Ohio. Yes, he's from Cleveland, Ohio. Didn't know that. And I think uh, Conwell is too. Conwell is from Cleveland as well. Born in Detroit, but from Cleveland. So yeah, a couple of Cleveland guys there. So the, the crowd's going to be lit for this. Also, a female title fight, Amanda Serrano going up against Yamileth Marcado out of uh, Mexico, 10 rounds for Serrano's unified featherweight title. She has two of the belts. And then in the main event, Jake Paul, Ohio's own. Jake Paul, 24 years old, going up against 39-year-old Tyron Woodley in an eight-round cruiserweight fight. Um, I get what they're doing here with, with Paul. They're putting him in against guys who have somewhat of a name. Um, I don't know Tyron Woodley because I'm just not an MMA guy, but apparently this guy has a name in MMA. He's also almost 40 years old. It's just what they're going to do with this guy. He hasn't really fought a ranked boxer yet. Who knows if he ever will. If he can fight guys like this and still sell a few hundred thousand pay-per-view stars um, or a few a few pay-per-view buys, then um, I guess that's it. I guess that's all they need, you know. Who knows how long this is going to go on for. We shall see. Uh, feeling dangerous with another super chat pledge. Thank you so much. He says uh, the the social media following has to be the right demographic for that to work. Jake has tapped into young men's age, like 12 to 18. Ryan has it. Ryan's tapped into the young girls. That's who follows Ryan. And so far, they're not buying his fights. Uh, Jake Paul, I think, I don't know, but I, I would assume most of his followers are, are male. I, I don't know. Maybe they're female. But so far, people have showed up and paid for his fights. Now, he's not selling millions of pay-per-views. This isn't going to do millions of pay-per-view buys. But look, man, Tank Davis's pay-per-view against Barrios did, what, 200000 or something? Imagine if this doubles that. Imagine if <laughs> Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley does 400,000 pay-per-view buys or doubles Javante Davis's pay-per-view. That's crazy, dude. That's, that, that's just crazy. So I don't know if it's going to do that. I really can't say we'll find out, but that would be, I, man, we'd have to talk about that one. We'd have to sit down guys for like an hour and break that down and figure out what that means. If that ends up happening. Uh, Jordan Gooden with a good question. Michael, what do you think about Brandon Lee's ceiling? It seems good. I agree. Just had a great KO in his last fight. Friend of the show. He's been here on the show. We should have him back on, actually. Um, but good ceiling. We we don't know yet how he's going to catch. We don't know yet how he's going to do against boxers who can move, defensive guys. Eventually, he's going to get in with that kind of style, and we'll see what happens. Derek Williamson, would Jake Paul beat Tommy Fury? I don't think so. But to be honest with you, I haven't seen Tommy Fury yet. But the fact that he has six wins against actual boxers, Fury is 6-0, and uh, makes me believe he'd beat Jake Paul. But who knows? Who knows? Feeling Dangerous says, Ohio has disowned the Paul brothers a long time ago. Coming from an Ohioan, I didn't know that. Oh, because what they live in LA now, right? They're all Hollywood and shit. They don't they don't even live in LA. They live in like West LA, Beverly Hills, you know, 
where all the the actors and actresses want the wannabes live let's see uh hold on mont brink says uh tyra woodley is one of the greatest mma fighters to ever live with one of the longest title reigns in any mma history i didn't know that so thank you for, for letting me know um well well then it's smart that they're going up against him because he's pushing 40 years old he's not going to be uh, you know able to punch with paul um so it, it's great matchmaking on their part oh ozzie says tommy fury can't really box oh i didn't i haven't seen tommy fury i i, I honestly don't know guys steve in the uk says will manny retire should he retire absolutely enjoy it manny you owe us nothing on that note guys we're gonna leave it right there good show man we had some great calls some great comments some great super chats we'll be doing it on my channel friday 5 p.m eastern ontario unboxing look for that all right uh feeling dangerous says uh paul's last pay-per-view on trilla was reported at 1.5 million was it I, man, I forgot about that. Dude, if he does like a million pay-per-view buys, guys, I, on Showtime, like that's nuts. That's just nuts. So we'll see what happens, all right? I'll definitely be a pay-per-view buy bro uh, for this one because I'm I'm genuinely curious. I really, truly am. All right, guys, uh, enjoy the rest of your Monday. Some of you guys over in the way, way over in the east, it's already Tuesday. So enjoy your Tuesday. Good morning. <laughs> all right, guys, uh, I'll see you at the fights, all right?